Good morning. Welcome to those of you who are joining us in the Fellowship Hall and online today. As we continue through the book of Matthew, this would be one of those days where I would recommend using a Bible if you have one with you or a Bible app on your phone to follow along because we're going to be looking at each section of this chapter today and it might help you to see it all laid out. So if you'd like to borrow a Bible, just raise your hand. We have some at the back of each worship space uh, and our ushers can get you some or you can come and grab a Bible if you'd like to use one today. I titled this sermon that nothing may separate us because these stories in Matthew 8 reminded me of Romans 8 where the Apostle Paul listing a bunch of things that trouble us ends by proclaiming that ultimately nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to transcend every barrier for the heart that seeks him. And that's what I was seeing in Jesus' interactions with people in this chapter in Matthew 8. Our human tendency to overemphasize and despair of the barriers that are clearly too big for us, that we can't seem to find a way to overcome, things that Jesus can and will overcome for us, while completely downplaying and de-emphasizing the barriers that we put between us and God that are completely in our hands, barriers that Jesus waits for us to surrender so he can freely do his work in us. So what can separate us from the love of Christ? As we take a look at that question, we're going to start right at the top of chapter 8 in Matthew. So the first story we see in Matthew 8 shows very clearly what separates this man from Jesus and from everybody else. This man has leprosy, a disease that made him a danger to everybody around him, which of course left him completely isolated. And this man, in desperation, approaches Jesus and kneels before him, careful not to touch him, and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he's not afraid that Jesus can't heal him. He's afraid that Jesus won't want to. Won't want to do this for one who no one even looks in the eye or acknowledges as a person. Because this man with leprosy has become used to people avoiding him, ignoring him, not even looking at him out of their own self-preservation. And I think you know what I mean. It's really hard to face a human being in pain that you don't have the power to help, right? Self-preservation leads us not only to physically protect ourselves from others, but to emotionally distance ourselves too until that person who is isolated hungers even for the simple kindness of someone just acknowledging that they're a person. The enemy of this man's soul has been yelling at him that he is not worth Jesus' attention. And yet, in the face of what he doesn't know, are you willing? He dares proclaim what he does know. I believe you can make me clean. And how does Jesus respond to him? In verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Have you ever felt like a leper? Separated or isolated from other people for whatever reason? 
Is the barrier you struggle with in your relationship with the Lord, not trusting that Jesus can save you and love you and lead you, but the question, Lord, do you really want to? Are you willing to do this for me, with me? Remember, before even speaking, Jesus shows his answer. He breaks this man's physical isolation by reaching out to touch him showing him and us that the clean in Jesus is more powerful than any unclean in us. And then he speaks what his actions have already shown. I am willing. Be clean. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Can other people's opinions of us? Can our sickness or our disease... Can our unworthiness, whether real or perceived, can the label unclean? No, apparently not. Where others may be unwilling through fear or uncertainty or self-preservation to see us or our need, Jesus in love willingly embraces the heart that seeks him. So if you've ever felt like a leper, beloved, remember this Jesus. And as you ask, feel his hand on your shoulder. See the power of his redeeming love in his eyes. Because you are why he came. But maybe that's not the barrier you deal with. So let's look at the next story, Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Now remember, Matthew is writing for a Jewish audience, God's chosen people, who in the time of this gospel were under military occupation from a foreign army. They were living in captivity in their own land. And the anger they felt at that injustice, as is human nature, led them to paint all those who wore the uniform with the same brush. They couldn't picture one particular man growing up in Rome, joining the army, being sent to a foreign city, just as a person just trying to do the job he was given. They saw him only as a symbol of what they hated. But what did Jesus see? Jesus saw a man of power taking a position of humility to come and beg for help from a Jewish rabbi for the sake of his servant. What kind of man is that? In verse 5, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. You see, if Jesus would have gone into the centurion's house, he would have been ritually unclean. And knowing the trouble that that would cost Jesus to deal with that, the Roman wasn't asking for that kind of sacrifice. He just wanted Jesus' word that it would be done which Jesus gives in verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. And Jesus, completely amazed and delighted at this faith, says in verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's hard even to express how shocking that would have been for Matthew's Jewish audience to hear. This guy is going to be at the table of heaven with the patriarchs? He's the enemy. The 
the wrong ethnicity, the wrong country, the wrong background, the wrong side of this conflict, wrong, wrong, wrong. He is unchosen. We are the chosen. How can this be? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall ethnicity, background, occupation, other people's ideas of whether or not you should be in with this Messiah? No, apparently not. Jesus' grace overcomes every barrier that stands between a heart that seeks him and his love. Have you ever felt something about you just makes you wrong for the church? That admiring Jesus, believing in Jesus, still you don't quite feel like you fit with his people for whatever reason? If that's you, beloved, remember this, Jesus. He's the one who says who his people are. And he's here for those who ask. I want to look for that centurion in heaven someday. I'm sure he has quite a story to tell. Ready for another barrier to fall? Let's take a look at the next story. Matthew 8, 14 through 15. Jesus walks into Peter's house where Peter's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. Now, remember the culture we're in here. Usually women were sent to care for other women, and it would be considered beneath a rabbi to tend to a sick woman and completely improper to approach her in her bed, for sure. And yet Jesus walks right into her. <laughs> he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. And if you've seen The Chosen, I love the depiction in this scene. Uh, in The Chosen, the minute she feels better, she looks at Jesus and says to herself, Why am I still in bed? Are you hungry? And she pops up and she bustles into the kitchen and yelling back to Peter and her daughter, Does your friend like goat cheese? <laughs> and Jesus kind of shrugs in surprise at Peter and with a smile calls back to her, I like goat cheese. <laughs> it's delightful. She clearly, joyfully, set free to love in her primary love language of serving, engages with them. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will rules of propriety created out of fear of what others might think? Will earthly cultural evaluations of human worth keep us from the great worth his love bestows? Apparently not. Jesus walks through every earthly barrier that would keep people from him. And Matthew rolls us right into verses 16 through 17. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Do you recognize that quote? It's from the suffering servant passage in Isaiah that foreshadows Jesus suffering for us on the cross. The price he would pay to set us all free from the barriers of sin and death that we could never overcome. Showing what he would do in our place of need. If you have ever felt overlooked or unimportant, beloved, like you don't matter, remember this Jesus who came for your soul sickness so he could be the one to bear it for you and give you the worth of his love freely given in your place. And then we hit verses 18 through 22, and we see something completely different. 
These verses are kind of like the eye of the storm. It's a moment of reflection in the midst of all of the action of this chapter. So before we look at those verses more closely, I want to look at the rest of the action first, the final two stories in this chapter that kind of bookend those middle verses. So we'll jump to verses 23 to 27, where we find a different kind of barrier threatening to separate the disciples from Jesus, this time a physical one. Jesus and his disciples get into a boat, and Jesus immediately falls asleep, and suddenly a storm hits, and the disciples, who are no strangers to boats, feel like they're going to die. And even in their terror, they're incredulous that they have to wake Jesus up to beg him to save their lives. How can he be sleeping through this? But Jesus just asked them, why are you so afraid? And rebuking the wind and the waves, he calms the storm. You have little faith. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall the elemental disasters of this earthly world? What destroys the body cannot destroy the soul. Through his death and resurrection for us, Jesus promises us that nothing can ever snatch us out of his hand, not even death. So why are we so afraid? If even death can't separate us from the love of Christ, what else could possibly be a threat to us? Which brings us to the last story of this chapter, verses 28 through 33, where we see a showdown between Jesus and demons over the freedom of people. The question now being, can the power of the enemy of our souls, the devil, keep us from the love of Christ? As soon as Jesus gets to the shore, two men filled with demons stagger out to meet Jesus. And seeing them, does Jesus shake his head and say, what did you two do to open yourselves up to this kind of evil? Does he say, what a shame, these two are clearly lost causes? No, he does not. Seeing human beings whose lives have been inundated with evil, what Jesus sees are children of God who need someone to fight for them. And seeing the look in his eyes, clearly these demons know he's gonna because they don't even put up a fight. They just beg for an out. Hey, instead of sending us back to hell, could you send us into those pigs? If you'll give us that, we'll just go. And Jesus, having mercy even on demons, says to them, go. And they go. And the two men who had been living in torment for years are immediately free once again. Can the power of the enemy of our souls separate us from the love of Christ? Nope. He'd like you to think so, but it cannot. No, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now it's true, not every battle is won on earth in ways that our eyes can see. But the heart that Jesus has claimed as his own will be his forever. Nothing can separate us from his love because he paid the highest possible price to give us that gift. So at this point, you've got to be asking, well, if that's true, why do so many people think they're separated from the love of Christ? If all the powers and principalities in heaven and earth or under the earth cannot keep us from the love of Christ, then what does? Well, there's a hint of the answer in verse 34, the last of this chapter. After Jesus sets these men free, in verse 34, it tells us, Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. 
What? Leave? In Matthew 4 and 5, people come to Jesus from all over the place, seeking him out, asking for his healing power, longing to know more. So why do these people, seeing his power, beg him to leave? Because they know what they are seeing in Jesus is not of earth. They see that in his presence, things change. And they're too afraid to let him change them. They've grown accustomed to their diseases, infirmities, struggles. Too comfortable to dare open them up to the one who has the power to set them free. So they ask Jesus to leave. And he does. The absolute saddest passage of Scripture. There's only one thing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Us. Not wanting what he came to freely give us. He will take down any barrier. He will tear down any mountain. He will raise any valley. He will overpower anything that stands between a heart that longs for him and himself. But he will not overpower you. Love must come free, or it's not love at all. A gift unreceived cannot unfold its blessings in our lives, but ask and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened, Jesus says. And so in love, he waits for you. Did you notice in this chapter what all these long-shot stories have in common? The leper, who knows he should not be approaching Jesus, still dares ask and is made clean. The centurion, who knows and even states he has no right to ask a favor from Jesus, still dares ask and receives. Peter, I'm sure, knew better than to set Jesus in the scandalous position of walking in on his sick mother-in-law, but still he invites Jesus in and Jesus heals. In the storm, the disciples feel all is lost, but still they ask Jesus to save them, and he does. No demon wants to be anywhere near the Son of God, so why would they approach the one with the power to cast them out? Short answer, they wouldn't. (laughs) But there were still human beings present under that terrible influence, and they could feel their Savior was near. And even if their fighting, stumbling feet could do nothing more than make them fall toward him, Jesus saw them fighting to reach him, and he answered by setting them free. You see, Jesus is God's rescue mission for you and me. He came to move heaven and earth to reach us, to enter into death, even death on a cross, to make even death a path into new life by his power. And he comes for every heart willing to hear and receive and respond to the amazing gift of his love and grace for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing in the universe can separate him from a heart that wants him. So now it's time to circle back to the eye of the hurricane. That in the middle of all of these stories of Jesus' power, of overcoming the unscalable heights of need with effortless power, comes these few little verses about our response to him. In 18 through 22, 
The first one, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Will you really? Even if you end up having nowhere to lay your head? Are you willing to follow me even if where I lead you is out of your comfort zone? Second response, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now that's an expression. Most likely the father is still very much alive. What this expression means is, Jesus, I'll follow you just as soon as all my other obligations are taken care of. And Jesus' answer means, if you wait to follow me until it won't cost you any hard choices to do so, you never will. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't want his disciples to follow the command to honor their father and mother. Jesus is just calling this disciple on his own motives. Where is your heart, really? And for us, 2,000 years later, we have the benefit of hindsight to know that Jesus' earthly ministry, where people could literally follow him and watch what he did and learn from his words and actions in living color, would only be three years. So if this disciple was going to wait to follow, he'd miss the window. He'd miss the opportunity God had given him right now. Our love of comfort, our earthly obligations unchecked, can, kind of like weeds, crowd out what is actually life-giving and eternal. Those things that develop in us the power to lean into Jesus' power and leading and grace for a lifetime. But there is a gift freely given right now available to you. So it's time in this moment, beloved, to take a look at your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to confess and surrender and let go and lay down so Jesus can do what he came to do for you and in you. What are the barriers that have kept you from being willing to let Jesus into your infirmities, your sins, your hurts, to make you a new creation? Knowing his power, will you kneel at his feet and ask for his power in you? Or will you politely ask him to go? Turn him away. Beloved, don't wait for when your obligations seem lighter, because they never will, until you invite Jesus into them. Don't wait till you're brave enough to follow him out of your comfort zone, because You'll find when he's with you, wherever you are, is already home. Today is when Jesus is present with you. Today he's calling you to ask and seek and knock what he has for you. Now, those short little warnings from Jesus might sound harsh on our ears, but honestly, we need them to be. Because he came to topple every wall humankind has constructed to keep us from him. He is faithful to every promise. But will we let everything he's already overcome keep us from trusting him? Like the leper, do you think you're unworthy? Like the centurion, do you think you just don't quite fit into his mold? Like Peter's mother-in-law, do you think your problems are too small for him to care about? Like the disciples in the storm, do you wonder if he really cares about your need or understands your fears? Like the demoniacs, do you wonder if you're just too far gone for Jesus to reach? If facing down torture and agonizing death on a cross wouldn't stop him from coming for you, what do you think ever could?
Beloved, remember this Jesus. And as you trust him to do for you what only he can do, know that as you follow him, he will lead you to others who still feel separated from his love. When Jesus leads us out of our comfort zones, it's always for the sake of reaching those who don't yet know the comfort of his eternal grace for them. So today, as you remember who Jesus is and who he came to be for you and for this world, spend some time confessing to him where you need to feel and know his grace is for you today. Surrender your heart afresh so he can do his healing and restoring work in you. And then ask, Jesus, where are you calling me to follow you out of my comfort zone to reach those who don't yet know that nothing can separate them? from your love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know how much I need you. Your forgiveness, your leading, your healing, your grace, your restoration. And Lord, as I'm a sinner in need of your redeeming, I pray for the victory of your cross and resurrection to be at work in me today, just as I need it every day. Renew me to know and trust that in your sacrifice, Jesus, you have made me yours forever and nothing can snatch me out of your hand. Help me to trust that nothing will ever separate a heart that longs for you from you because that's what you came to do for me. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Help us, Lord, to trust you for that promise. And when the world throws its fears, its doubts, its barriers, and its breaking points at us, help us to remember this, Jesus, you, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, until the whole world knows your love freely given for us all. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.